5, but we're going to go back to Romans chapter 4 and, and just read a couple of verses because in Romans chapter 5, it begins with therefore. And uh, of course, if you have a therefore, then you've got to deal with what went on before. That's right, isn't it? Faith. I saw her. You learned that little truth there, didn't you? Amen. Uh, and so you got to go back to that, what's gone on there before. And so what we look at verse 24, it says, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed. And of course, we're talking about this salvation that, that God has given us, uh, this righteousness that God has given us. He's imputed into us. He's placed upon us. He placed upon our record his righteousness. So but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. And of course, it's, it's, it's making it very clear that, that the way in which we have this imputation, the way in which we have justification is the fact that Jesus Christ died for us and was buried and raised again from the grave. He arose from the grave. And, uh, and just got to emphasize that. I mean, uh, it's really uh, uh, it's such a crucial thing. It's, it's a vital thing that we always uh, understand and believe and present to people that we're witnessing to that he, he didn't just die for our sins. He didn't just shed his blood for our sins. He, was a, he, was a, he arose from the grave. He raised from the dead. And so he says, because of this now, who's, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification, therefore, Therefore, since he's been raised, therefore, since he's come up from the grave, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in, the tribulation, in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. Uh, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now, the truth is, I was going to do, try to do eight or nine verses every time. And, and as I was preparing this, uh, truthfully, I just, I, I, I just brought in this, this sermon or this lesson, I just brought to verse 5, because uh, there was just too much there. It was just too much inside these five verses. And you read through them, and it seemed very simplistic. But, but I'm asking the Lord to guide our minds. We don't have very much time. We're a little bit late tonight, but I'm, I'm going to go through it very quickly. But, Father, I pray that you bless. Please guide our minds, our thoughts as we go through this. Holy Spirit of God, thank you for your grace and your, your mercy in us. And Lord, now I need your strength, and I need your clarity of mind, and I need your spirit power, and I need your fresh anointing. And, Lord... I yield myself to thee, and I thank you for, for your patience with me, and I thank you for forgiveness in my life. And, Lord, I, I just ask you, please, cleanse me, use me, fill me, that I might be a blessing to somebody here tonight. I beg you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I just, I, I just, this came to my mind. I just, again, I want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you for people that are willing to come out on a Wednesday night for a Bible study. I really do. It's, it's a new world that we live in, and a lot of people just, uh, this is something that doesn't exist much anymore, but I want to thank you. And, and, and I, want to, I want you to know that I never take lightly, and I work diligently, and I beg God much that he will give me truth 
that will be worth your coming. And so I want to I want to try to help you tonight if I can, and I hope it will be a blessing to you. But we left off in chapter 4, and, and of course, it's, it's very important to remember for, uh, uh, what was in chapter 4, that last little part, because in chapter 5, uh, it, one of my favorite verses, when it gets there and it says, therefore, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. I'll be honest with you, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It really is. I just, I love the fact that it says that it's by faith that we have peace. It's by faith that we have peace. And we have this peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're just going to talk about what this really means. We, we see this wonderful truth that when we are justified, we are accepted by God. And this is what this is really talking about right here. This first part is really talking about our assurance of salvation in, in many ways. It's, it's, it says uh, we, we are justified, we are accepted by God. God says, now you are accepted as my child. I accept you as a child. We're, we're no longer, watch this, we're no longer an enemy with God. And this is what God's saying, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Now, it's a twofold thing because I believe we have peace in our hearts, but it, this, this passage, the way it's written, it's talking so much more about the fact that we are now at peace with God. We're not warring against God. You know, when you're lost and on your way to the hell, uh, the truth is, is that we're living our lives for ourselves. We're in living in contradiction to God. We're at war with God. And God says, you know what? We just made peace. We're at peace now. And the word peace means we are reconciled to God. And that's what we, uh, we talked about Sunday, uh, this ministry of reconciliation. But the word peace means we are reconciled to, to God. When we, when we hear this word justification, which we've talked about several times, justification speaks of our legal status before God. It's kind of like a court case, you know, and, and we've, been, we've been justified. We, we, we have been found not guilty. Uh, and, because, and reason we're not guilty is because, again, the righteousness of Christ has been placed upon us. All of our sin and guilt has been placed upon Jesus. And so it's kind of a legal uh, type of thought. We are no longer guilty in the sight of God. But this word peace what he's really speaking of is reconciliation with God, which, which means our relationship has been repaired. You see, we no longer, you know, we, we are justified, and so we're, we're not guilty before God. We've been justified, but we have peace with God because our relationship with God has been fully repaired. It's, full, it's back to what it's supposed to be. We were at war with God, and relationally, alienated from him. We were separated from him. We also, though, can have peace in our hearts because we are at peace with God, and this peace once accomplished is once and for all time. So that's a, that's a great peace. Faith in Christ and, and faith alone is the only way that you can have this absolute peace that everything's okay for all eternity. It's a once and for all thing. And so uh, that peace comes when God arbitrates peace, our only option should be unconditional surrender. And that's what he did. You know, for me, it was November the 8th, 1975. God came and he just looked at me and he said, you're going to make peace with me? That's really what it was. And, and, and you say, well, how do I do that? <laughs> surrender. 
I surrender. I give up. What do you got to do? I don't have to do anything to surrender. I just surrender. I give myself to thee. When we accept God's terms of amnesty, we're then at peace with God. The war is over. And see, that's what God did. And again, that night for me at 10 o'clock at night, when God came to me and, and he said, are you going to accept my terms of surrender? And, and I looked at it and I said, I didn't even know what they were. But now that I see that it's, it's by grace through faith, now that I see that I can be saved right now for all eternity, I accept. And he said, now our relationship is right. And that's what it means we're reconciled, that we now are at peace. The war's over. So we have acceptance with God. And that's what verse 1 really is trying to give us. Verse 1 is trying to show us we are accepted by God when we come to Him by faith and when we trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, what does, though, now we look at verse 2. Now, verse 2 we're going to read in just a second. But verse 2, we see we have access. See, first verse 1, we, we, we have acceptance. But now in verse 2, we have access to God because of this acceptance. Because of November the 8th, 1975, I have the right, the privilege to have access to Him. As we talked about it recently, to come boldly to the throne of grace. You see, verse 2 says, by whom... Also, by whom? By Jesus. Also, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. You remember, you know, when we come boldly to the throne of what, folks? Grace. Look what it's saying. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And again, it's such a wonderful thing to realize I'm accepted by God, and therefore I have access to God. I mean, He doesn't. He lets me in. There's nothing to keep me away. We can, uh, because we enjoy free access, uh, because of justification, uh, which brought we we enjoy free access to God because justification brought us acceptance. There's um. And I'm kind of moving kind of fast, and I and always get a little bit kind of tangled up when I'm trying to move faster. But, but there's a little boy, this story is, and whether it's a true story, I really don't know. But this, the story is, is that a little boy stood outside the gates uh, there of the, the Queen of England, the King of England. They, they're outside Buckingham Palace in London. He wanted to speak to the king. And, of course, the guards were not going to let this little dirty little ragamuffin boy go into the, the palace, and, and so they wouldn't let him in. Well, that little boy stood back and, and uh, began to cry. And the story goes that as he stood there near the gate crying, a man walked up and said to him, Son, why are you crying? He said, Because I want to see the king, and they won't let me. And this man reached down and took the little boy by the hand and said, Walk with me. Don't worry about the guards. And he walked past the guards, and the guards stood up at, at attention as he walked back by them. And they walked all the way into, the, into the, the palace and walked down the carpeted hallways and walked down to all the, the beauty of the, the palace. And they t- came all the way up to the throne room and walked into the throne room. 
and we went right up to the king because the man that had taken his hand was the prince of Wales, the son of the king. And you know, that story, it's a wonderful thing to have acceptance, but even more wonderful to have access. And all of us have access who have taken the hand that had the wounds in it. Because we have the son of the king. And he takes us to the throne of grace. The next few verses, verse 3, and, and, and I forgive me for those visiting, we're we're going through the book of Romans verse by verse as much as possible because the book of Romans has so much doctrine, so much teaching inside of it. It's foundational for everything that we believe. Uh, the two really important books of the Bible, I mean, all of them are, but the ones I love the most are the book of Genesis, which we just uh, you know, went through in Sunday school class, I believe we did. Uh, and so, but the uh, book of Romans. So now verse 3, though, it says, and not only so... But we glory in tribulations also. Now, what it's saying here, if you look at uh, verse 2, it said, By whom we also, uh, we also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we have this incredible access, and we, we rejoice in the opportunity to bring glory to God. And so we, we glory uh, in this. And God says in verse 3, he says, not only, not, uh, not, and not only so. He says, not only are you going to glory. He says, but we glory also in tribulations, or glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. So in these verses, Paul deals with not our standing with God. See, uh, the first couple of verses really dealing with our standing before God. Uh, and that's why I talk to you often about there's, you know, there's a lot of difference between our eternal standing before God I am sinlessly perfect in the eyes of God because he, Jesus placed his righteousness upon me. Now, these verses, though, are talking about our present state before God, how we live. So, look, it says, For it has been made clear that we have been accepted and have access, but rather... Uh, here in these verses, he deals with our present state of spirituality. When God says, not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, we see that a truly mature Christian, now watch what he's saying there, a truly mature Christian understands the cross and the crown go together. You know, when you get, and the the whole point of this is that when you get saved, everything's not going to go good. Well, we got to understand, it's, and, and there's, there's a fallacy out there that, you know, okay, you're saved, and, and sometimes we even present it back there. It'd be, the great, it'd be so wonderful if you just trust Christ. It is wonderful, but they got to understand that life on this earth still has tribulations. And so we see that the truly mature Christian, though, understands the cross and the crown go together. Grief and glory still exist. And, and sorrow and joy still exist. If we glory or give glory to God, even in the tribulations, we are growing in maturity 
And when we begin to grow in maturity because we glory during the tribulations, growth begets growth. And, and I want to explain with it. The growth, this growth is a process, a defining process, a molding process. When we give glory during tribulation, then the tribulation is not destructive, but constructive. And this is what I, we've got to understand. When we glory in the tribulation that comes in our life, we have, like so many in this church, I mean, my goodness, uh, you know, we've been here, uh, believe it or not, we've been here a year. Amen. Can y'all believe that? Some of you are like, yeah. Uh, uh, but it's, it's amazing. But, you know, we've, we've already had three funerals, I think, three of our membership that have gone to heaven and and uh, it, it, it's amazing, but we've had you know, sicknesses, we've had things. But I, I was talking to Joe Beth, and, and I, I don't know that we've ever had a year like this past year was, and it seemed like 2017 is going to do the same thing, where, where it seemed like almost about the time I could take a deep breath, I get another child or grandchild that's got something terrible going on. I mean, it's, it's just it's just incredible. Um, you know, uh, Luke, Tuesday, they, they met just... Uh, this past Tuesday, yesterday, they met with the doctor, and, and the whole meeting was, we really don't want to have to do this surgery unless it's absolutely necessary because it's such a delicate, such a dangerous, such a, you know, I mean, just, and they said, but if you can't function now because of what's happened, then we're going to have to. Well, the truth is Luke can't walk up a hill without having heart problems. He can't hardly walk to the mailbox without having heart problems. And he's 40 years old and got seven kids. I mean, they just, they're going to have to do it. They're going to have to do the surgery. Uh, it's, and then we, we have that. And then, you know, we get this phone call from another daughter today and, and, and got something going on with the grandchild and something going on with this daughter. And so it's just like, wow, you know, and then that's besides what already was already going on. And, and so it, you think, okay, just he, what it is, though, God says these things are a molding process in our life. And how we deal with them is how we're going to grow. When we give God glory during tribulation, then the tribulation is not destructive but constructive. Tribulations are the materials used to work, the Bible uses the term worketh, or fashion or shape patience in us. You see, tribulation is what God uses to mold into us patience. Patience is cheerful endurance. Patience is enduring, but it's more, it's enduring with the right attitude. It's an attitude thing. And God says, the way you're going to learn to do that is only by going through tribulation. And here's what we've got to understand. Sometimes we'll look and say, okay, I've been through enough tribulation already I think I got it, God. But here's, here's the problem, or the, the, really what God does. We don't stay at one level. Anybody ever played video games? Nobody in here ever played? Come on, confess it. You know, you played video games. You still do. Yeah, oh, yeah. Come to the altar, you're lying now. The um, but I've never been a video game player. I tell everybody that when I grew up, we actually did it. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't function that way. But, but, but when 
years ago, uh, I forget who it was, but somebody gave my kids a PlayStation whatever. What? No, it was a PlayStation. Don't correct me, woman. All right. It was probably a Nintendo. Uh, Anyway, whichever one has Mario Brothers. (laughs) Shut up. Uh, Okay, so the girls are in there, and we found out real quickly that you can't leave that out. We would store it until between Thanksgiving and Christmas each year, and they could pull it out, and we'd let them play between Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, and then put it back up. Why? Because, you know, if you left them in front of it, it has levels. Levels. You know, after one level, you go to the next level, and the next level gets harder. But if you work on that next level, you master the next level, and you go the next level, and the next level gets harder. But eventually, you master it. Do you know, it's really, that's what God does. The trip... Anybody old enough to remember having some kind of issue or trial when you were really younger and it devastated you and you look at back on it now and think, that was ridiculous. Why was I worried about, you know, okay, I owe $25 someplace. It just, God lets you go through a tribulation so he can fashion patience so that you can go through a greater tribulation so he can fashion greater patience. And let me just help you, it's probably not going to stop until you get to heaven. It's really not. And I hate to be such a <laughs> encourager. What's wonderful is that we can know that tribulation worketh patience. Here's the key. God wrote to us and told us why. People say, why does this have to happen? Because God's working on you. I mean, truthfully, he's working on us. He's fashioning in us patience. You may, you know, feel like, you know, okay, enough's enough. I got it already, but no, I don't know that the levels ever stop on those. I guess they do, but I I would suppose if you can ever get to the, you know, 900th level of Mario Brothers, then, then, uh, you know, probably that's when you need to die anyway. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that what you thought was a trial now doesn't seem like one? That's because you've grown. Now, the fact is, is it all comes to attitude. How do we handle it? God says, I want you to learn to go through this tribulation. So when you go through this tribulation, you'll have the right attitude through the tribulation. Now, anybody ever had a bad attitude when you couldn't pass that level on Mario Brothers? Yeah. My daughter Heather was absolutely the worst. I had to put it away the first time because after trying some level, the I don't know, a half dozen, 9,000 times. I'm not sure what it was. I walked into the room as just as she was throwing the remote at the TV. Just, she was throwing it. And I thought, okay, that thing's got to go away because apparently she was not learning patience. I was about to teach it to her, though. Now, why do I need more levels of patience? 
Enduring the present situation, listen to this, enduring the present situation according to Scripture brings us patience, which brings us experience. And through that experience, experience is what brings hope. When we have endured a trial and given God glory, we come out the other side. And with the experience that God will see us through. My daughter, another one, she um, wrote, you know, they do that, uh, what's it called, WhatsApp. And they, you know, they're always on there. And, you know, and on, if something really goes on, there could be like 75 of them in the next hour, you know, these things between the girls. But she wrote, she, she wrote about faith. She, said, she told her sister, she said, she said I, I, I hate to even say it, but I'm so, we were so discouraged. Uh, the money, in, you know, they, they have a small church up in, you know, north of Chicago, I mean, north of uh, uh, Cincinnati. And so uh, they started a church a couple of years ago, and it's growing, but it's, you know, it's just a small church and, and financially struggling. And, and she said, we just had just enough money. You know, it sounded like to me either to kind of pay his his salary or, you know, pay some of these church bills or, you know, and then we had this need, you know, with several hundred dollars and this need with some more. And she said, it just, it became overwhelming. Well, that's a trial to them. And she said, I, I wanted everything in me. I wanted to say, I kept saying, Lord, I, I want to believe. I want to believe you're going to take care of us. I want to believe you're going to supply. I want to believe it. And it, but she said, I'm just really struggling. I'm getting discouraged. I'm getting to, and she said, and, and, and then Ken went out to the, to the mailbox and, and, and came back from the mailbox and opened a letter, and there was an anonymous check for $4,000 to the church. What just happened is she had a trial, they were fighting to have the right attitude during the trial. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about trying to have the right attitude, keep faith in God during the trial. And you know what happens? God gives us a wonderful experience. He brings a need. I mean, he supplies the need. We have the need supplied. You know what happens with that experience? That helps us the next trial to come to have hope. Hope that, wait a minute, God's done it before. Don't you know he'll do it again? And now, I warned you, he'll take you to the limit. He'll take you a long way sometimes, and he'll stretch you. And the longer you go and the more you want to grow in faith, truth is, he'll take you through bigger and bigger trials, and sometimes they'll last longer. And as those trials go, God's saying, but if you'll have the right spirit, the right attitude, what this is going to happen, you're going to have a wonderful experience that will give you hope. So, this brings us hope, expectation of good, hope in the joyful and confident expectation that all will work together for good. Do you know someone, listen to this now, do you know someone who no matter what they go through, they seem to keep their head up and stay mostly positive and assured, just believing God? Anybody know anybody like that? You all do. Me. Come on now. Now, I, I live with one. I really do. She just absolutely, no matter what we're going through, she just keeps saying, it's going to be okay, Rob. It's going to be okay. 
Now, that's because she doesn't know what's in the checking account, but she just keeps saying, it's going to be okay. She just has that, that spirit. Now, this person is someone who has had many trials in their life, but has followed God's procedure and allowed God to mold them so that they, will, they always ultimately arrive at hope. And this is what it is. God's teaching us how to get to hope. And hope is this expectation of good. And you say, when can I have hope? During the trial. Because that's what the trials in your life have been doing. They've been working on you. They've been fashioning in you. And they, this experience has been showing you that God is in control and he'll bring it to fruition. Now, as far as we'll get tonight, but verse 5 says, And hope maketh not ashamed. And I just want to tell you, when your hope is in God, when your experience says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, when your hope is, Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ, when your hope is found in Christ, that but when we uh, uh, know that he won't put us through more than we can bear, when, when we know that he will supply our need, when we know that he will, uh, will work everything that we need and do all that we need in his time and his way, this hope is ultimately de- delivered through the conduit of the love of God for us. And God's love delivers this hope as we go through the trials and as we, we, we say, God, as much as it's hard for me, as much as it's, it, it really tears at me, and as much as I can't see where it's going to come from, but Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this desire to just say, Lord, I, be, uh, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And God, you're going to do it. And Lord, I believe that you're going to show me that you're going to provide. You're going to meet the need. You're going to heal. You're going to do whatever you're going to do. And that experience that we go through life gives us this blessed hope, this incredible hope. And that's what God does. And so the trials are going to come to everybody, but not everybody's going to end up in hope. Some are going to come to the trial and they're going to throw the remote at the TV. And I have to admit, I've been in some trials where at least part of the way through that trial, I was throwing the remote at the TV. I just wasn't dealing with it rightly. But pretty soon, if you're going to get through that trial, and truthfully, here's a lesson you've got to learn. Sometimes we stay in a trial longer than we really, God really wanted us to because we're just not learning yet. And you say, is God that mean to put us through that? No, he wants you to grow so that you can have hope. I hope all that made a little bit of sense. This fasting thing is just ridiculous. All right, now, no. No, God's good. Let's pray.